Our scripture today comes from two different passages. The first one is Psalm 8, 3 through 8. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. And from Romans 8, 18 to 23, I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Reverend Grace. I am so blessed and uh, honored and humbled to be the one to open the creation series uh, of homilies in this uh, season of creation that we celebrate. Uh, and it is one of my favorite topics uh, as a teacher and as a preacher. And I would like to begin reciting again these verses from Psalm 8. Uh, that are so beautiful. I want you to also take a peek at the blue planet of the blue mother, our planet, our home. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have created, that you have established and created, what are humans? Who are we humans that you are mindful of them, of us? mortals that you care for them. Now I remember uh, this passage being recited by my mother, though it was in Spanish, when I was growing up. Cuando veo los cielos, obra de tus dedos. I imagine God's fingers uh, shaping uh, the heavens. Uh, I had such a fascination for, for the, the sky and the stars that we would go with my mom <clears throat> to the back patio of the house and watch the stars on a clear night, on a clear night. And I remember uh, being able to uh, recognize only one constellation, only one, and that's the Southern Cross. 
that I'm not able to see it anywhere in the in the northern hemisphere. You really have to go down south if you want to see the Southern Cross. But I developed uh, in a very, a very early age this fascination uh, with the universe, uh, the stars, uh, and all the uh, celestial uh, bodies, and uh, studying the uh, solar system. Uh, and I was so impressed. Uh, throughout my education in elementary school, exploring these things. Uh, but what it really struck me and impressed me the most was when I saw for the first time this picture. I'm not sure whether it's the first one ever taken, uh, but it was the first one ever taken uh, from outside uh, in full color, uh, a color picture of our planet. And isn't it beautiful? Can you imagine if there are actually uh, other uh, extraterrestrial of other uh, you know, civilizations being able to come close and watch and see, or see from with a powerful telescope from somewhere else, and see the beauty of our planet, how wonderful it is. Uh, it was called the Blue Marble, and it is so pretty. Now, of course, the problem is that uh, Sometimes we think and we are challenged by the fact that our Earth is at peril. Uh, air pollution, you know, I can make the list. Uh, contamination, water streams, species disappearing daily, extinction, ecosystems compromised by ourselves, humans, the human footprint, deforestation, we're seeing the trees cut out of the uh, Amazon, uh, acid rain, can you imagine? Uh, we are experiencing that, the depletion of the ozone layer, which protects our, our skin and our, and our life uh, uh, on the surface of our planet. Overconsumption because of the economic systems that we are part of uh, and the global crisis of waste management that has become so complicated. The exorbitant increase of carbon emissions causing the greenhouse effect, and I keep, can keep on going. And But we, we just to put it in a nutshell, the impact of this crisis critically impinges on the most vulnerable. And two things are the most pressing uh, issues of our time, environmental and climate justice. And we are being pushed and challenged to do something. But I don't want to strike uh, being uh, very negative this morning. I want to focus on the passage a little bit uh, that was read, the other passage of Romans chapter 8, which is a passage of hope. Yes, we want to, at least I want to look at uh, this season of creation with hope. And, and the passage speaks of the hope that we're waiting for the completion uh, of that hope uh, of the glory of God, which is no other thing than the beautiful bliss, uh, the future of shalom, the hope of uh, peace that cannot be compared to anything that we actually know that is expecting us when the consummation of all things comes, the end of times, the glory of God. It's that kind of hope that uh, we, I want to focus 
uh, as I look, as we look into our creation, our planet, the blue marble, the blue planet. Though there is suffering in the world, the passage tells us that we suffer, and I'm pretty sure that uh, most of us, if not everyone here, can speak of their pains, of their sufferings. We know that there is so much suffering in the world. The passage says that uh, creation was subjected to futility. A different word for futility will be instability, uh, uh, because of bondage and decay, creation will decay. Uh, and it says that it's been subjected by the one who subjected it. I have often asked the question, who is the one? And well, there's no other than God. God created the world in, in, in this evolving and uh, advancing world, that, a world that is becoming, an earth that is becoming to decay. Uh, but at the same time, it is a God that will redeem, that has promised new heavens and new earth. And Paul says, we know, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and it continues to groan in our days with uh, groaning in la with pains, uh, labor pains until now. It is like uh, liberation theologian uh, Leonardo Boff, and paraphrasing him, says, the cry of the earth. We can hear the cry of the earth, which is the cry of the poor, or turning it around. The cry of the poor, or the most vulnerable, is a cry of the earth. But this is a passage of good news. The good news, the hope, is that there is redemption for human beings and for creation. The whole creation will be set free. It is eagerly waiting, and that's hope, longing for the revealing of the children of God. And that's another question that I keep on asking this passage when I, when I come to it, is that who are the children of God that need to be unveiled, that need to appear, that need to show up? Uh, some may be tempted to say, oh, Christians, maybe evangelical Christians, even though I don't know how much they think that they are being called to do something about it. But I say humans, anyone who loves the earth, who loves creation, who have some sense of something beyond them, that is a divine presence surrounding them, those other ones have, have to reveal, have to appear, because they are perhaps the ones who should join God in the work of redemption, which is the hope both for creation for our blue marble planet and for us as humans. So the biblical understanding of the plight of the earth, of the earth reveals the fact that we are living in a time of rehearsal. The good things are yet to come and so now we have like a dress rehearsal where we put our hands to work and join God in being the ones who care for creation. <laughs> now, this message, uh, as an introduction to the series, is a message about theology, the theology of creation. 
Theology of creation most of the time goes to the first two chapters of the Bible, of the book of Genesis, and we learn about the seven days of creation and how God formed the human, uh, the earthling, before there was gender, uh, uh, Adam from the Adama, the earth, the earthlings, uh, and uh, that's how we have understood creation. We have made so many, uh, so much emphasis on the fact that uh, humans have been granted the, the right to subdue and dominate and control uh, creation, nature, and uh, for their own benefit. We have softened the language and said uh, that uh, we are administrators and stewards. Well, I want to change a little bit the uh, chip this morning and offer some uh, contemporary and at the same time ancient tradition uh, to offer a different take of uh, creation theology. And I'm offering, uh, drawing from somebody else, uh, an indigenous contextual contribution for a theology of creation. This is the approach of the Nahuatl or the Nahuas, uh, the people from certain parts of Mexico, large parts of Mexico. Uh, the Nahuatl is the culture that uh, uh, is mostly known by many as the Aztecs, even though it should be granted more priority in terms of uh, the roots to the Mexica, uh, which that's why the reason the country is Mexico, uh, because they come from the Mexicas, and the Mexicas uh, are the ones who founded the city of Tenochtitlan, nowadays the huge, gigantic city of Mexico. So the Nahuas uh, can provide us with a different vision of creation of the world. Uh, Latina theologian Janet Rodriguez uh, from uh, Seattle University, she's a local, speaks of La Tierra theologies. La Tierra, for those who understand, those who do not understand Spanish, means the earth. But not only the earth, Tierra means the land. Tierra means the country with its culture, uh, customs, traditions. It involves so much more than the word earth. Uh, so La Tierra theology is a theology that uh, expresses and it's taken from this perspective of the, of the Nahuas, the notions of home, identity, and destiny with a different approach to reality, an approach that uh, uses the senses, uh, that is in contact with the surroundings, that when they walk on the earth, they know they are, they are walking on sacred land. Uh, you know, this, uh, uh, approach by the Nahuas, it is an aesthetic conception of the universe and life that integrates the divine and the real world with the physical needs. In other words, to know the earth, to know la tierra, you have to experience being contact with it. It's not just about uh, controlling, uh, dominating, possessing, uh, for economic uh, benefits. And this aesthetic approach 
is known as flor y canto, flor y canto, which means flower and song, and it represents poetry, music, and beauty to understand the reality surrounding us. It is a different way of knowing. You know, technically speaking, for those who are philosophers or theologians, a different epistemology, the different, a different conditions of knowledge. Uh, instead of the uh, Western culture rational formulation of ideas and principles, the conditions of knowledge, Floricanto, flower and song, is a way of knowing that combines intuition and feeling intuition and feeling beyond just thinking. I touch, I feel, I'm ex I experience, I'm alive, and this is my home. This is the earth, la tierra, my land, my country, the beautiful blue marble. Earth, land, and country are la tierra, la tierra, our tierra. And now perhaps it is time for us to use all of our senses because it is God's creation and it is sacred. We need to begin to experience earth, to experience the land, la tierra, as something sacred. Why not? And I know some Baptists get uh, a little uncomfortable with the word sacrament. Maybe beginning with our own uh, transitional minister here. The word sacrament. Why not think of uh, the word la tierra, the earth, as the sacrament? Or la tierra, the earth, the land, as sacrament. Before moving to California, and I finish with that story, with this story, I spent, uh, I don't know, about three, almost four months living in a cabin, in a camp in Rhode Island by a lake and in a very rural area, completely uh, different from my, the experience of my whole life. I'm a city person, born and raised in the city. Uh, it was quite an experience. I felt lonely in spite of being a, a, an introvert. I, I really felt lonely. I was almost desperate by the end. Kind of a, Waldo, uh, what's his name? Uh, Waldo Emerson. Uh, uh, yeah. Experience, uh, uh, Waldo Bond experience. Uh, and, uh, but I learned in those days when I was walking and, uh, and sometimes uh, in the snow, uh, stepping on the leaves, uh, looking at the trees and, and, and the lake, uh, and uh, it was so profound, the spiritual experience of being in contact with the land, with the earth. So my friends, La Tierra is groaning with labor pains and waiting for the revealing of the children of God. So the question, the question, isn't it time to hear the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor and begin or continue or restart perhaps 
the human work or rehearsal, if you will, of achieving the glory of God, at least to have a glimpse of the glory of God here um, by celebrating, protecting, and honoring God's beautiful creation. My planet, the blue planet. Amen. <laughs>